Hey guys, it's Adam here. Just putting some finishing touches on this episode. Episode 10 of season 7. By the end of this one, we're going to be halfway through the 1999 countdown, which um, is the last countdown of the 90s. We're going to be heading to the 2000s after that. I'm really excited about that because I think I certainly am going to start wading into some songs that I know a whole lot more and am way more passionate about. And I think there's going to be a whole lot more disagreements. But before any of that, we are going to be taking a break at the end of this episode. We're hoping to relaunch again for the second half of season seven, the second half of the 1999 countdown, probably in the first week of June. But you know us, we can't even keep to a unified topic of conversation, let alone a deadline. So maybe take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Just wanted to let you know about that. Of course, plenty of things that you can check out in the meantime. Uh, our good friends over at The Simpsons Index, they're going to still going to be putting out episodes. Uh, David's other podcast, All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, he's still going to be interviewing some ridiculously huge artists and putting those chats up for you to hear. And then we've got our good mate Jack R. Riley, who has his awesome podcast, The Australian Music Diaries, where uh, him and his mate Mix go through and kind of give some takes on some hand-picked tracks from the Australian music scene that are going around at the moment. If you want to discover some new music, it's an awesome way to do that. The other thing that I really want to talk to you about while I've got you here is FBI. I know we give a shout out to those guys at the end of every episode that we do, but I wanted to take an extra special moment to do that now because they have been supporting us in a huge way for ages. And their support has made the biggest difference to what we do and us being able to do it in the way that we do. If you don't know FBI, they are a community radio station in Redfern, in Sydney, and they just do so much for this city, for supporting all kinds of artists, not just musicians, artists of absolutely all walks of life. They have got their finger on the pulse of everything that's happening with culture. They help bring it out to the people and help make it so much bigger. And in a city where there are so many forces that are trying to shut that down, it's worthy of really, really bigging them up. Not only that, but their programming is incredibly Australian-focused and incredibly Sydney-focused. And these are the guys who are going to be breaking your next favourite Australian band before anyone else, before they even get onto the Jays. So even if you're not in Sydney, FBI are putting in work for you as well in bringing those artists to you. I often just go to the FBI webpage and check out what their feature albums are because they feature artists all over the country. And I found some genuinely great stuff through that website that I wouldn't have found anywhere else. So just a massive shout-out to FBI Go check them out on their website. They have loads of different ways that you can support them if you're able to. But otherwise, just keep in front of mind and know that they are an absolutely legendary radio station with a whole bunch of legends working behind the scenes. All right, so we'll catch you guys hopefully in the first week of June sometime, maybe. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers, friends. How are we all with crowd participation? Are you, I live for it, always. All right, sweet. Except, so, except when it's real, and then no. <laughs> In this time of introspection, on the eve of my election, I say to my reflection, 
God, please spare me more rejection. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we are hosts for hundreds of thousands. We have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to beat in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and while I am one of the Benfold's five voices, you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so, joining me once again, Nathan Harrison. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you did your best. God, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, look, you were a very naughty boy the last episode, so I'm glad you got your comeuppance. Speaking of, Andrew McDonald is unfortunately still here. Maybe Nathan just didn't want to be spared from rejection. He, know, mean, he knows that he knows the lows are important to appreciate the highs. And Adam Munch is here. I think Nathan's going to redeem himself by the end of this episode. Fuck you, want to hope so. That's him. I have faith. You got five songs, kids. Don't fuck it up, or me and Adam are turning the car around. Am I in the front seat? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're a good guy at sports. Oh, uh, uh, hey, where's the light? <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick on at number 55. This is Diana Arnaid with Perfect Family. How do we go house in a dog or a house at the beach? How do you intend to make this all up to me? Coming in at number 55 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's a song called Perfect Family. This is the second time we've talked about Diana Arnaid. Uh, the previous time was the song I Go Off, which I found out at the time was her signature song, which was the song that everyone uh, like of that age knew of hers and was like her big breakthrough song. I, at the time, did not know that song because the only thing- What? I'm trying to do what you do to me all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Diana Renee's definitely on the same level as Blur. Yeah. yeah. Remember that time Diana Renee sold out Hyde Park? I do. Oh, memories. <laughs> Sydney Hyde Park. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like this small little Spiegel yeah, Ted yeah. Park. Yeah, she was just busking out the front of Museum Station. I mean, <laughs> just claimed it as Hyde Park. No, she lived in Nimbin. Guys, you're being silly. <laughs> Sorry. Nathan, that wasn't your redemption. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> One down, four to go. No. <laughs> So the reason I knew Diana Renee was because of Hottest 100 Volume 7, which this was on. It made the cut. It did. And I really loved this song at the time. And I still have a certain fondness for it now because I think it's just, yeah, a really just sweet, earnest and fucking honest love song. Like, I like the fact that, you know, it's just like... Yeah, we're fucking two probably art students or, like, musicians or just whatever the fuck. It's just like, yeah, we can't afford to fucking settle down and, you know, have the white picket fence and buy a house and all that shit. We'll have a house, colour TV, you know, that's pretty good. Be better than the black and white one we've been, you know, we borrowed off grandpa and never gave back and then kind of semi-inherited by default. And then we'll have a dog instead of a kid. They're surprisingly much easier to look after. You can leave them on their own for extended periods of time. Dogs are generally pretty 
easy to look after in comparison to babies that just need constant, constant attention. And dogs also get just as many Instagram likes as babies. So if you're just doing oh, it... more, for, way more. If you're just doing it for the content, then, you know... Yeah, d- dogs over babies any day of the week, to be Tons. honest. Says the man with two dogs yeah. and zero babies. Two dogs, yeah. zero babies. He's it's voted. Cool. You voted. I voted, I voted, yeah. I voted early and voted often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that democracy works, baby. That's democracy manifests. Yeah, exactly. People. Do, do, uh, succulent Chinese meals for your dogs? Well, I guess... Don't know. Is is raw meat like a big thing in China? I'm waiting in waters that could be. Don't talk about dogs in China, man. I don't want us to get cancelled. Fucking hell. Please just go back to your regular sex of upper bum, no babies, okay? I hate to be so dirty and such a wholesome song, but you know, I like a bit of contrast in my life. And this song's just lovely. I love that raspy, like, Australian accent. I love the the little synth break, which kind of just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, you know? It kind of adds a, adds a nice poppy element to it. I've always thought this was a very sweet and very lovely song. I agree that it is indeed really, really sweet. And I think, like, the whole thing about the, you know, the, the projection of a perfect family is made all the more sweeter by kind of uh, Diana Arnaid's biography and her story, uh, how, you know, she had a really kind of rough childhood, um, only kind of managed to kind of cement herself down any kind of stability, you know, when she started picking up the guitar and, like, at the age of 15 was, like, emancipated and living in Nimbin. Yeah. You know, so I can... Going off. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's when I go off kind of like really happened. But the weird thing for me is that she already had a kid when she's writing about not having a kid, which is like it's <laughs> a, good a weird like own on your seven year old, right? It's just like the seven year old is just old enough at this point to hear this song and go like, but. Hang on, but yeah. th- these are all like failed promises. This is like the relationship that didn't work out, right? All oh, right. And, of course, the album itself is called I Don't Think I'm Pregnant, so it's clear that she's maybe writing from yeah. a point of view of, you know, uh, her past self or whatever. Yeah. But explain that to your seven-year-old kid who's hearing this going like, I don't want a kid. Yeah, um, I, I certainly I just think um, it's rough, man. I just, think, I just know what's thinking about the kid, man. <laughs> Said he kid, I don't want a kid. You'd understand. You're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I'm a bit of a rat bag. We are giving some great parenting advice. Do it up the bum just, and tell your kids they're terrible. Just be straight with your kids and be like, look, you're awful. But this um, <laughs> song, I think the other one that we spoke about, I go off. What season was that? The year before last? Two, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. two seasons ago. Man, that's Four amazing. recalling songs and when we spoke about them. Pretty this good. Turning chapters. That gave more of an impression of who Donna Arnaid was, I think, because it was mm-hmm. so stripped uh-huh. back. Even though, it, like, I think I remember commenting at the time that it, it sounds like she's in the corner of a pub. And yep. that's how that song is. This, while it may give less of an impression of who she is as a person and as a songwriter, is a like more accomplished song, like with the band and with the synth things you said, David. I think this is just fun, innocuous, sweet kind of pop rock. Yeah, like, yeah, I like it. I think this is really terrible. I knew mm. you would. This is oh. this is atrocious. Wow, I'm surprised. What? I'm kind of surprised I'm on my own here because I listened as soon as it started. <laughs> you were like, like Andrew, be with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like, man, this is junk. And when I don't want, I don't want to say that. There's a part of me that feels really bad saying that because I do acknowledge that it is sweet and wholesome, and I only want the best for this artist. But I mean, like. She was onto something we didn't love. I go off, but you know he was this raw, thunderous, acoustic, absolutely slaying on the guitar, absolutely belting out her voice. Where the fuck has that gone? Like, is this a case of like you sign to a label and then all of a sudden you just have to dilute your sound to something that you're told will sell, but ends up being something that tries to offend no one and ends up doing nothing? Every melody puts me off. 
I don't care for any of them. The synth line sounds just fucking bad. And I have never experienced a more harsh cultural cringe than the way she says beach. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is showing my working as not preparing enough but I, I, I don't think I gave that much attention to I, I mean I, the beach bit I did obviously it sticks out like not in a good way no but like I, I, to me I was just like this is just a fun innocuous kind of pop song I, I, I didn't really give it the the harsh listen treatment to like but if it, but if it put you off from the second one then I can see why you would do that but yeah, yeah to me I thought this was just kind of sweet like yeah, yeah. So, reminded me a bit of um, Jill Sobiel that we yeah, talked about yeah true like four years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. My memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah right. I kissed, uh, supermodel and I kissed a girl. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like just that kind of, yeah, kind of fun, sweet, poppy. Yeah, man. 90s I, rock, I don't know. I came into this expecting like some more like John Butler trio style mad guitar work going on. Like, and then more of that mad kind of just like raw vocal. And I got this kind of slice of like completely unambitious nothing pop rock. That's fair. Damn. Dude, uh, man, you are, you are absolutely the first person to say, oh, this is shit. It doesn't sound like John Butler. <laughs> it doesn't have the ferocity of a John Butler guitar work. <laughs> doesn't it? I no. get what you're saying, though. Like, with I Go Off, there was a, a real statement and, and a level of ambition that yep. isn't really in this song. Yeah. But I guess I didn't yeah, come to a, it looking for I, it. That, I think that's a reflection on the multiplicity of an artist that, you know, you can have something as, like boisterous and outright as, as a song like that and also do something as you know honest and as tender as this yeah you can write good music and you can write bad music <laughs> um, it's incredible I think because um, I Go Off was like from that was like her first album and maybe single year like it was early yeah, yeah oh, no it's not even like it was something that she pressed together with some money that she managed to scrounge up and yeah. sent to Richard Kingsmill yeah, who spoke so, on the J's and so that's that, how she happened yeah well, the, that's obviously why that's so stripped back and bedroom recordy sounding because it is but this i think maybe she not necessarily didn't want to make that kind of strip back acoustic music but now she's an artist with some means i yeah. guess no she totally she's, yeah. she's signed i mean and, and like yes i acknowledge the sweetness and i know that a lot of people because it's like a late 90s you know australian track there's bound to be a lot of nostalgia attached to this and i'm going to put a lot of people on side by what i've already said and i'm not taking that away from you and like Cooler people than I have expressed their love of this song. Ella Hooper went on record this year saying that her favorite album was "I Don't Think I'm Pregnant" Ever. by Diana Arnaid. No, of the, of the other year, yeah. of the year. And Ella Hooper is way cooler than I could ever hope to be. So this like, is true. But having said that, oh man, don't like it. Cool. Yeah. Is it? I think it's fair. Feel, I think it makes it's... me feel mean. No, I think it's entirely reasonable why you. We've gone in harsher on other songs and not felt mean. It's okay. But yeah. here's the thing: like, I I feel so much more comfortable launching on someone like Bono. Oh yeah. Who like than I would on on someone like this. Like, I don't, the, it doesn't feel good hating a song like this. The grand power that we have with this podcast of being able to dick on small bands is something that we can't take lightly. We have to yeah. think about. You know, yeah. is is Bono the safest artist to knock? Absolutely, Ooh. in the world. Yep, absolutely, he is. Probably right. Yep, there's precedent. He, Nothing you say matters. He's, like, he's, he's overzealous, yep. which puts people off. You two are a safe band to knock because their music has become like bland, middle of the road rock music. Yeah, they did, did and that just so ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. They did, did that thing. They would put that, that their album on the phones that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you ca- and people are like, oh, but he actually cares about people. You yeah. can come at it from like an an actual class critique and say he's a tax cheat and doesn't contribute to Irish tax 
in any way because he has and saying capitalism was good yeah he's like there's a there's I think he's the world's safest artist to knock uh, congratulations yeah, Bono hey, hey. what about, what about? <laughs> Powderfinger <laughs> oh. yeah I guess outside of like Prussian blue that Nazi oh, yeah, yeah. like actual fascists well yeah the, the, the best like complicated problematic if problematic at all artist to knock yeah he's mm. Bono yeah, yeah nice one yep. I love knocking on Bono Number 54, it's the return of the Whitlams with Thank You for loving me and my West. I shouldn't have driven. You shouldn't have driven. But we got there, had a good time. So we left the car. And the cabbie was from the war zone. We were glad he was driving us home. I was glad to rob some with the song Thank You for loving me at my worst uh, which is from the album Love This City and if there's anyone that loves this city more than Nathan Harrison then I don't want to know them this is your chance to get out of the doghouse young man okay make it count oh did you know this song Nathan? Uh, <laughs> I mean it's yeah it's pretty obscure yeah yeah I mean only a couple of people have heard it on YouTube I guess yeah exactly so. <laughs> this is like a beef I, yeah, we have a God. we have the first like in podcast beef. No, I don't want to have it's a, a cold war. <laughs> Nobody wants to have the beef, Nathan. No, they sound exhausting. Where's the beef? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. this is one of only two songs that we'll talk about from Love This City. I was really surprised that the title track didn't make it into the countdown, which is good fun and it's nice to talk about because. It's obviously very sardonic in saying Sydney's actually kind of shit and then it got used in heaps of pro-Sydney ads. Very funny when that happens all the time. Yeah. We also don't get to talk about Blow Up the Pokies. which that I, crazy? I Are guess, you serious? I guess it just bypassed and because it was such a big popular hit or maybe it was just a timing thing. Huh. I, yeah. I, I was real sure we are talking about that. Right? Yeah, so that didn't get in in 2000? No. Huh. Fuck. Yeah. The countdowns move in mysterious ways. Wow. Yeah. They like give you it, too. They give it and they go, oh, for fuck's <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Accidental U2 references are check. not okay. Something. Also, no. It's not, that was a saying before U2. <laughs> I, I am sure. Fucking Bono invented nothing. <laughs> um, this is a great song. This it's has always been song. one of my favorite Whitlam songs. It's certainly not one of the emotional ballads and the really like really strong emotional stuff that he's doing. But this is just fun and lovely. And thinking about where the Whitlams are at this point, after all the stuff that went through to sort of the band disintegrating and then Tim pulling a bunch of stuff together and creating Eternal Nightcap, which was unstoppable and was like, you know, the number one album of the country and and topped the countdown that year. This feels like a really nice, hey, I went through a lot of shit and things kind of worked out okay and that's because you guys had my back and yeah, thanks. That record and this song as well, it feels way more, you know what, we actually are a band. I'm not just one guy 
getting people in and adding this like layer upon layer to make a really perfect beautiful record of mm. course mm. but this is like you know what we are a band this we is, work yeah, yeah, this yeah. Album is which a is band so album. funny when you think about no one can name a single member yeah. of the Whitlam's that isn't Tim Freeman <laughs> Jack the guitarist <laughs> but, the, but that was the thing I had to double check it's still a couple of years away but in 2001 for Torch the Moon that band is still the Whitlam's yeah right yeah, so like, that's onwards pretty good yeah, run so for, for, for the Whitlam's they had a few people in on this record including my second favourite named person of all time in Bono except, yes no in excess's bass player Gary Gary Beers mm. <laughs> who's your favourite Eddie Van Halen's son does anyone know what Eddie Van Halen's son name is I could not even begin to guess <laughs> I hope it's just Eddie Van Halen's son <laughs> that would, yeah <laughs> Eddie Junior no yeah. Wolfgang Van Halen. Oh, my God. That is the sickest fucking name anyone has given another human being. Yeah, where's the lie? Right? <laughs> it's pretty good. It's sick yeah. as shit. Yeah. Well, um, this song, obviously, a very wonderful track. Um, yeah. I love that, as you said, compared to some of the more, like, sincere balladry that Tim does and stuff like that, of the various Venn diagrams, if you're mapping Tim's writing style, you got, like, the stuff like the, the track Goff and, like, Make Burgers. They're fun and kind of jovial. And then you also have the balladry stuff and then you have the more rock stuff. Mm. And this sits right comfortably in the middle of them. And because yeah. of that, it doesn't reach the heights of beauty like the ballads or the heights of the jauntiness like the the jaunty track but it, it's not trying to do that so it, it's not as one of the songs that you'd be like oh I love it for that reason so much more but it's not it, it's not trying to do that it's this track that sits comfortably in the middle of the spheres that he writes in and it works so well for that and like there are still some lyrics in there that are absolutely beautiful and like mm. if, if they were done on a slow piano thing and number you could see them being an emotional gut punch but because he's hitting them out like thank you for loving me at my worst he's just like it's yeah, so charming man. Yeah. It's so but you're right I, I, I could never be as passionate about this song as like Louis Bidette or yeah. one of the Charlie songs I could you know, be. You could, could be? Yeah. Nice. Like, I don't really know this song that well, but it fucking got me, man. This I is think- so gorgeous. Because it's like, it is. It's a victory lap. But more than that, it's a self-celebration, not in an ego-driven way, but in a way that you're just kind of like, you know what? Maybe I'm all right. You know what I mean? Maybe mm. maybe things are okay. Yeah. And having that thought occur to you and then having just the, the wash of relief and then extending that out to other people and going like, if I am okay, if things are all right, if I am accepted and loved and cherished as I am, and if things are okay for me right now, I have you guys to thank. And so if I feel good, you guys should feel good as well because you've put me here. And like for that as a band, especially a band that has been through what the Whitlam's have been through, like that is just yeah. stunningly beautiful on a kind of like a meta level then you dig into the kind of lyrics and whatever yeah anyone who in their mid 30s has ever gotten married to this song fucking well done like huh. that that rules so much because there's this there's so much age anxiety in this track i think there's yeah. all this stuff about saying like um you know spare a thought for me or you um bright young uh, mid mid 30s somethings or whatever you know keep your bricks and mortars i'm out here with the kids you know what i mean like yeah He's like, thank you that I have been able to make it as a musician and and be out here. And then there's, you know, there's lyrics about, thank you, this person I love for accepting me. I'm a shit person, but thank you for loving me for that. And then it's also like, 
talking about you know behaving badly and you know it's like yeah i'm, I'm gonna drink and smoke cigars and like hang around and whatever it's like get home at 100 o'clock yeah and accepting you and then like thank you kind of thanking yourself for still loving yourself despite all the flaws that you kind of have and whatever it's just love and celebration yeah and the horns oh, oh my god yes. so good <laughs> oh man it's just so great i love the bits of text painting in here like uh singing bought myself one of them keyboard axes and then you hear the keytar come in <laughs> And then the crowd was confused, but then they cheered, and you hear like a tape recording of a, of a cheering crowd at that point. Yeah. Oh, just little bits and pieces like that. Interesting note about the mix of this track. The vocal take is slightly sped up to match that of the instrumentation because they recorded it a little bit fast and they they want to speed it up a bit, you know, because, you know, it's a catchy song. They want to have like a good beat to it. Right. And so that's why the vocals are slightly up for Tim Friedman. And that's why he slightly sounds. He describes it as a bit of a chipmunk vocal Uh, on their greatest hits album, Truth, Beauty and A Picture of You. They put on the remixed uh, slash original version where it's just like 5% slower and you hear the normal vocal. I shouldn't have driven I shouldn't have driven It's nice to hear the normal version but it's also so weird after hearing that the original version for so so yeah. so long huh. It's just that slight bit of speeding up makes that much difference it's just different enough to to be able to be like oh to throw <laughs> yeah i because i always kind of wondered it's just like i wonder why that vo- that vocal is slightly higher you know but and- also just subtle enough to give you like total mandela effect hours this song the universe must have collapsed and given me a new place to be yeah, <laughs> yeah it's trippy as shit but yeah this is one of those songs that i know back to front i've loved this song since i was a kid like i think love the city is a, a remarkable record and yeah there's just a great spirit to this record and this song and this album and it's a fighting spirit it's you know it's just like we survived you know we're still here Mm. after everything with eternal nightcap and we're gonna enjoy this time that we have together uh, for as long as we're allowed to there's just something very fucking pure about that so yeah got a lot of love for this track I love the uh, the line in it. Um, Can we be crazy for a few more years? Have I got them in me? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. good. Yeah. It's like, just yeah. it's so reassuring. It just it, to me the song just entirely says stick to yourself, be true to yourself. People will love you for it. That's nice. Like, that's that's the message that I kind of get. You know, yeah. The earnesty as well with the the way that it stops just before he says thank yeah. you. Like that's for the for the extra he, big gap as yeah, well. Dun, like dun, love that like, whenever songs do that. You know, that little moment of silence before he says thank you. That is such earnesty. Tim, mm. mate, you're bloody welcome. Yeah. You're but you still get the really, welcome. like, the beautiful, like, the bit about Scrum, the bar out east, and you yeah. get that really playful, real nod back to Louis Bidette and Absolutely. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, so much fun. Well, I mean, they have to be themselves, right? You can't just, you yeah. gotta, you got to show it and tell it. Yeah. The video is lovely, too. Them in a supermarket and just Tim yeah. just singing into the announcer mic thing. Yeah, the video is yeah. very sweet. With his hat and his yeah. red shirt. Very cute. Good shit. Yeah. yeah. Celebrations are nice when you're brought along. Yeah. How how much is Tim like, just like 10 out of 10, a guy that you're like, fuck, I hope he's doing good? Yeah. I really hope he is doing good right now. I hope you're having a good day, Tim. We'll um, obviously talk about it when we get up to it, but we'll (laughs) talk about that song, Thank You, next year as well. Oh my god. So let's talk about Blow Up Pokies then instead. (laughs) That's a great idea. That is a good bit. Because it's Um, just like higher as well, number 37. What? No, actually, thank you. The, yeah. the hottest bump. No, seriously, <laughs> thank you. The original hottest bump. The, man, gee, that, I've heard that in the countdown before. Man, oh, I'm going to vote for that next year. 
one. This is Democracy Manifest. <laughs> democracy, democracy Manifest. Yeah! What do you need? You want a viola? You got it! You want two violas? You got that too! I was born poor. I've been working since I was four years old. I've done it all. I was a lifeguard. Booyah. Typist. Dishwasher. Garbage man. Wet nurse. I picked cotton! Empty wallets, empty parking lots. That's not my style. Sex laws. You wanted to fire him. I wanted to fire him too. Let's go! in at number 53 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's from the album Midnight Vultures and it's called Sex Laws and it's sex with two X's so you know it means business. Our intro was of course provided by the incredible Mr. Jack Black, a man I was oft compared to in my high school days because we are both fat brunettes. It's all you need, really. And you both rock. Oh, we rock fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's more what it is. Oh, we can also both do cock push-ups, so ladies. So and you're always fucking rocking and you're oh, never fucking stopping. M- yeah. yeah. We uh, you know, we shouldn't sidetrack too long, but we, we actually never talk about Tenacious D. I swore fucking tribute would get yeah. it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I was checking after, after watching the clip and being like, oh, Jack Black, when do we talk about this? Never. Crazy. I'm going to say that like this won't be the only time that Jack pops up in relation to one of the songs we talk about, though. Mm. I, I'm basing that on nothing. Oh. Except <laughs> I just have a hunch. Yeah, I just it's have a, a good big. Hunch. Like, I mean, yeah, he's been everywhere, man. He's all, he's, yeah. he's all around. That's, this is, that's what makes a... me have confidence in that. Yeah, true, 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 true. All right, Andrew, David, sex laws. You, you wanted, wanted to find him. I wanted to find him too. All right, let's <laughs> um, go. I, uh, like you, David, had this was the first uh, compilation CD I got of the Ross 100. This track, obviously, on it. So, I guess in a way, it was probably the first song I consciously was listening to by Beck. At the time, I was like, who is this fucking guy? I need to hear more of this music. This song just absolutely fucking rules. It is fun, silly. This came off the Midnight Vultures record, which was, in a way, the the label proper follow-up to Odelay, because in between those, he released um, Mutations, which is a very stripped-back acoustic record, mm. which I think we've spoken about. We talked about Tropicalia. We talked about Tropicalia, yes. But this was, I guess, the one that the label were more wanting him to make. Even mm. though it's not super Odelay-y, it's not, it's not just, it hasn't got that hip-hop sample delicate. No, this is much more of like a funk record. Funky as it's hell. A, it's a like, concept album, and the mm. concept is horny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I actually uh, no, made a note that this, I think, replaces... I was going to, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Macy Gray. Oh, yeah. Macy Gray. This is a new horny jam. The horny jam, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Of course, um, Run On Remains, genius track. And depression track is definitely still Elliot Smith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good luck. Cool. But, this, yeah. Yeah. but this is the this new is horny, horny king. Oh, god um, damn. Uh, this does so, so many things. Why Beck is a master of what he does is the way he brings in not disparate styles, but disparate musical elements and forms them into one cohesive aesthetic. Um, he often interrupts that aesthetic with breakdowns or like, and even in this, with like the banjo bit and the, all it that stuff. It just gets full fucking country. It, yeah. Oh, man, that just, banjo is so intense. Yeah. It starts off full like ten seven, years, 10 years before Mumford and Sons. <laughs> just, and like the slide guitar as well. Like it, it actually gets full country. It starts off wild 70s funk. And by the end of it, it's a hoedown. Yeah. Um, We're burning barns. But like the main, I guess like the funkiness of it all, driven like as much as the drums there, the beat is really the horns. Mm. Um, to oh em- to emphasise the horniness. Yeah. Horns are front and centre. It's horny in all yeah. ways. Oh, and it's sizzling. And the way Beck himself, over his career, he's played with a lot of different vocal deliveries, particularly when he's doing his more beat driven stuff, let alone when he's doing his sad folk music. His almost singing through his teeth that can you hear those cavalry drums just I love it so much and then also like yes I can hear them and they are hijacking my equilibrium (laughs) Beck you're like you're reading like a book classic Beck style of writing stream of consciousness doesn't make sense but just sounds so damn good yeah on on the lyrics he said "Um, it's me playing with the ridiculousness of those entrenched ideas about what a man does and what a woman can do a lot of soul music comes from real masculine strength but also this intense vulnerability about it you have the masculine tough guy exterior and the emotional openness which is seen as feminine as well I wanted to have fun with that turn that contrast up a little bit without getting bogged down and um, preciousness and psychobabble Oh my god! Yeah, he preciousness was, and psychobabble. Yeah, the he, big two. He was serious about writing this song. He's yeah. a fucking genius, man. As, yeah, as he fully is. And as a kid, you can hear this without any context and be like, "This is a super fun, dancey song." And then you look into it, and I'm like, "This is super smartly composed." Right. Well, I mean, like, but even for me, when I hear it, I go, okay, so you're writing this song about, you know, society being hung up on gender roles and, you know, like, and the way that we negotiate sex as a society and things like that. And you were saying you want to break away from those kind of conventions. Well, cool. You're setting a pretty good example with what you're doing with music Mm -hmm. because you are not obeying any set commands here. You are putting everything up in the air and you're throwing everything into flux and whatever. So, like, you're musically matching exactly what you're writing the song about. be it just not being you know about precisely the same thing it's just like it's still about horn horny by nature horny by nature yeah horny by by nature yeah horny in form and function yeah Yeah. and it's just like ultimate let your freak flag fly right like this whole thing it's like whatever your thing is man just yep that this song's here for you yeah this song is here for your thing defy the logic of the sex lords yeah just do, do it, it. yeah it, um it's such a party isn't it just it's pure party uh the album cover for this is like bright neon green and bright neon purple and i think if i had synesthesia that's what i would be seeing when i listen to sex laws <laughs> yeah and it's also it's bright neon purple leather pants oh that yeah. too yeah. the crotch of, like he, he's not being subtle with what he's doing but he doesn't oh, no. you know that would ruin it he uh, ain't fucking around yeah and like it's funny because like as much as like Beck himself he's, he's a very strapping young man like more like Beck handsome um, but but like he's not like a he's, he's not like a like a sex symbol oh, no, at no. all but like no. he's just like you know what like but, but, but sex as an idea is a sex symbol 
and that's what this is. But that's the whole thing as well. Is this, it, this isn't a sexy song, but it's doing that because sex itself isn't sexy. The idea yeah. of sex is this commodified thing that we put out, right? Where it's very serious and, you know, like very stylish and whatever. But this song is funny and dorky and clumsy and fucking actually so is sex. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's all of those things. And yeah. that's why it's... It's not this seductive, no. you know, sensual it's thing. It's like Wicked Game. No. Well, yeah. no. Which, like, yeah. <laughs> Um, That's sounding more and more like Morrissey every time yeah. we do it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about this song without talking about the video, which oh is my God. goddamn iconic from the moment that the fridge starts fucking the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which that's, is, that's when things go from good to great. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's just like, oh, okay, right, this is... Like, and like the, the, <laughs> ul- the ultimate defying of the logic of sex laws is inanimate <laughs> objects rooting. Oh. There's a, in, in the YouTube comments, one person's like, I wanted everyone to know that I can see the feet on that fridge. It's not a fridge. There's a person in there. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. It has arms. Give that man a Nobel Prize. Yeah. It's such an iconic image. Like, the, the fridge has the arms there and it's holding the, the unit and, like... <laughs> Taking it from behind. Like, like, just an, like, absolute unit. like an absolute unit. It's just like <laughs> literally all I can think of when I hear this song. White goods fucking. Yeah. That would be so oh. loud. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few different versions of this mu- music video. Uh, the I guess the most complete one was streaming on Beck's website and it has 18 minutes of outro, uh, which, like, come on. We all got places to be, um, but the the bit How that, dare like, you, first no, of all. No, I'd rather do that than most things. Well, it's not all music though. It's just the video had like fine. fifteen minutes of that. Um, but that's where the, that intro uh, came from. It's at the end of it. Jack Black makes a cameo speaking to a group of people and hyping them up to defy sex laws. Video's yeah. fun, song fun, everything about it. it it's a, one of those things because it's it's the uh, the lead track on Midnight Vultures, is it not? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way. Midnight Vultures is a very good record. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very like, horny. A very horny record, and it's very it's very good, very playful, very fun. But it's almost like this song causes a bit of the, like the Court of the Crimson King syndrome, where the first track is the best track, but uh, the whole album is heaps of fun. Yeah, well, it's got Deborah. It yeah, does have Deborah. Oh, ends. fuck! Yeah. I love Deborah. Yeah, Beck does not love Deborah. He he hates that song. Oh no! Why is he? He said he wrote it um, at the insistence of the label. Um, who wanted some like the, silly song or something? The label insisted oh. that he write do a silly song, and he was like, "God, I hate doing silly songs. <laughs> I just want to be sad." <laughs> well, the That's next album, yeah, sea change, man. <laughs> Fucking yeah. hell, man! I had to write this silly song, and it made me really sad. Sad enough for a whole album of sad music. <laughs> sad enough for my wife to leave me with inspiration to make. That, she Take left him wife, because please. he was so sad about having to do Deborah. Sea Change oh, is man. a concept album about Deborah. I will, I will go into back and mix business. I think that song is just as it's a good. great song. Nicotine yeah. and Gravy, great oh, song. Some great. real tight shit right there. Yeah. What's the sexiest white goods? I think if you have an answer, that sucks. <laughs> like, Listener, if, if you immediately responded to yourself with that, you time to take a look at yourself. <laughs> you just played yourself. You just played yourself. You got, you, if, if you must answer that question, and you all must, like in, 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 in the five star comment that you're leaving, um, at least if you knew immediately, at least pretend to, to think about it for a while. Because if you're immediately just like. Yeah, the correct answer is. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess I've never thought about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well done. Correct. Yeah. You've passed the test. Yeah, if, if you're immediately like, dishwasher. 
Like, <laughs> like it's obvious. Yeah. yeah. So on. here's what I've come to the conclusion of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad but, you. No, the worst thing to say is I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I at thought first you, I thought. Yeah. That's actually worse. Thinking about I it for too you'd long. I thought you never ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've actually got a thing I've put together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a fridge that I keep in the bed with me. Oh wow. Um, I don't know. I, I, Thankfully, good. I don't yeah, know. I yeah. also don't know. Yeah, I also don't know. I'm glad I asked, mm. but I'm also glad that I don't know. Hey, hey, uh, Adam, can come over here for a sec. Yeah. Just, just away from these two. We've we've just been talking about sex laws, and you know, just having fun. You know, sex and stuff like that. Oh my god. Yeah. You're, you're a man of the world. Yeah. You've done it with with a lady. Mm-hmm. What's it like? It's known as espresso coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> and we're giving away ten. <laughs> Use offer code <laughs> fucking a fridge <laughs> for a for a free pod. Fuck a fridge. <laughs> fuck at a fridge. Mamma mia! Somebody Luigi. fuck on my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> At number 52, it's the return of the cruel sea with It Won't Last. Coming in at number 52 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's the song It Won't Last. It comes from the most, the best of The Cruel Sea. And was also, I believe, included in the album Where There's Smoke. Adam. Mm. So, we've uh, talked about The Cruel Sea uh, a chunk over the years. Yeah, uh, in the early days. Yeah, it's real yeah. season one. Not for a while. Yeah, it's or been a hot two. minute. Because mm. nothing off uh, their last record, Over Easy, got in. Uh, even though I was kind of expecting uh, Taken All Day to get in. Which it's is... been five seasons. Yeah, it's been. Since Better, got, uh, Better so, Get a Lawyer got in at number 14. Man. But most of the ones that we talked about were in season one. I distinctly remember talking about The Cruel Sea in Andrew's Kitchen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we yeah, yeah about Delivery the- Man and Black Stick and Honeymoon is Over yeah, all in season yeah. one. 1993. That was their year. That was also the, the year that they went on tour with the Rolling Stones. Hmm. While I was looking at Andrew's <laughs> sexy, sexy friend. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder why I had to replace that. <laughs> just a huge dent yeah, in the corner. Yeah. Had yeah, to so. put it out to pasture. <laughs> oh. Okay. We're back again. We're talking about them. And uh, this is obviously a very, very different vibe to what they were doing on those previous songs like Better Get a Lawyer and shit like that. So where do you stand on, on It Won't Last? Did you did you get anything out of it? The, I mean, I got something out of it. You know, the character in The Big Lebowski is played by Sam Elliott with a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Who's just like the Wanderer. The Stranger. Oh, the Wanderer. Oh, yeah, the, 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 we're both right. Yeah. 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 L'Estranger. Yeah. <laughs> 
I read that in Camus. <laughs> Some points for you right there. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, bringing French existentialism into the podcast. <laughs> That's a way to redeem Again? you. That's a way to redeem yourself. <laughs> like that. With Deej? No, it's not. Uh, well, <laughs> with me. Anyway. High and low. Fucking fridges. Reading Camus. That's totally the guy who's singing this song, right? That dude. Like the, the kind of world-weary, travelled... Scotch drinking stranger at the end of the bar who's just the you know sarsaparilla. Give me oh well, <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. This guy's probably got Scotch. Yeah, the, the, that's the one way that they differ for copyright purposes. Yeah. <laughs> Giving you some. This is the way the world works, man. Like just let it let it go. Don't worry about it all too much. Um, there is mm. some of that there, but I, I don't fuck with this at all. Oh, you don't fuck with it at all. No, I I hadn't heard this, and the cruelty that I have heard, and when I saw them live one time. This is not what I want from the Cruel Sea at all. I, I, I'd rather <coughs> better get a lawyer. The, the, the boozy swagger rock Damn. music. Yeah, Bam. right. I mean, like, I agree with you. This, I mean, like, cards on the table, jumping to the end. Now, uh, this is probably the least that I have enjoyed a Cruel Sea song in terms of what we've talked about. I think what the Cruel Sea does really well is they have really nice textures. All the instruments sound really good. It's something I've always said. And yeah, I think they're a very still, textural band. I think apart from the weird synth solo in the middle, I think that also carries true here as well. But I think, like, you're right. The tempo and the pace and the melodies are just they're not enough to kind of carry the song like, no, and like it just breezes past you but I you know I still I, I do think that like the concept of it is you know like it's it's cute enough is the way I would put it you know it. what else breezes past you what? it the subject of the song everything Mm. Well, yeah, it doesn't last. <laughs> the titular it. Yeah, I get it. I get the construction of it saying that, you know, whether it's good or bad, it won't last. And I kind of like the fact that it plays with the rule of thirds as well, where it says, like, this love you have is going to go, this fame you have is going to go, but also the sadness that you have of all that passing, that's going to go as well. Like, it's yeah. all very cute. And I think it's even cuter in the fact that it was an inclusion on a Greatest Hits compilation. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit on the nose for that as well. That connected to kind of my idea of that, that kind of, like, character driven aspect of the song is probably the thing that I like the most about it because there's not mm. uh, otherwise not a lot else here I guess it's just kind of yeah just for me for for personal preference and context like I understood what they were going for a little bit more when I saw the video around this time which uh, primarily consisted of the guys like all dressed in white with like flowy like button up shirts and shit pretending to like really emote to it like like, while staring out on a beach and shit like that Oh that's a good choice Yeah Mm. Kind of just really cheesing it up like Tex to me has always been someone who as much as he is a you know a beastly fucking rock and roll animal at the same time, he's also had a real affectation and just a real quiet respect for the daggy and the really lame and the really uncool. Uh, yeah. There's a compilation called We Don't Work, We Play Music, which was a rarities compilation of The Cruel Sea that came out a couple of years later. And on that, there's a cover of I Can't Tell You Why by the Eagles, you know, which is not by any stretch of the imagination a cool song. It is a 1973 Yacht Rock song. And then later on, uh, Tex would front a covers band that primarily just did, like, really cheesy and really dorky and overplayed covers from, like, the 70s and 80s and stuff like that. And just 
do everything with a bit of a wink and a bit of a nod and stuff like that. To me, this is like their throwback to Jimmy Buffett or like, you know, early Toto or like Steely Dan to an extent. This is their dad rock song. Yeah, okay. I, 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 hmm. I, purchased, yeah. I purchased that to a certain extent. This is their song yeah. where they kind of indulge in their guilty pleasures a bit. And I, I, I think that's why I, I think there's a little bit of charm to it, probably more than you guys would, would give it. So, uh, obviously, I am biased about the cruelty. I've discussed at length, you know, my love of this band and my connection, my my literal deep connection to this band over the years. But I've always had a soft spot for this song. Like, it's not one of the cruelty tracks that I go out of my way to listen to, but uh, I'm always appreciative to hear it again. And even though it's not one of my favorites, it's still one of those ones that I just know back to front regardless, you know? Because I'm, I'm here for Texas solo, like his softer stuff. I, I quite like um, the horses stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark, so, Texan, dark horses. yeah, I believe we get one Tex Perkins song in the hottest 100. Yeah, um, like as as a solo artist. Yeah, so I, I, I don't mind that. I just think this nothing about this connected with me on any level. I was like, I initially thought I played the wrong track. This is not what I want from a Cruel C at all. I, I really just didn't fuck with it. I, I know, just kind of boring. Yeah, there's really nothing for me, me to grab onto. I, I don't know why they want they would ever wanted to record this song. Hmm. I don't mind it so much. So they recorded this, and a lot of where there's smoke on Texas rural property in Mullumbimby, mm. uh, up in northern New South Wales. That's yeah. such a text thing to have, right? And it just like that just makes me think. You know, like, it's a quiet place, and they're writing songs like this, and it's just like, what is it for a band to know that they've peaked? Cruel C were, were everything in 1993, and it's six years past that now. And they're still a band, and they're still doing pretty well. Like, the stuff they're putting out this time didn't tank or anything, but, like... Well, you are putting out a greatest hits. Well, you're putting out a greatest hits, exactly. Yeah. Like, what's yeah. w- what kind of reflection do you have at that moment? And you're like, cool, you know, we know we're never going to put out another Honeymoon Is Over. The world's moved on from what we are. And, it, like, it makes me think of... Of that sitting in, like, a quiet porch in a small town in New South Wales and just kind of being at peace with it. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. So, I don't know how much that the song is doing that, but that's what I get from it. And I'm like, I'm here for that. Thinking about things ending and maybe that's okay. I don't know. Hmm. I do think it's funny. This section of the, the Wikipedia page for The Cruel Sea is under the later years, which is <laughs> a grim part to have in anyone's biography. Yeah, because they only had one album, studio album after this, which was Where There's Smoke. And then the Rarities compilation I just mentioned, We Don't Work, We Play Music. Mm. Uh, and then they went their separate ways, got back together in 2008 for a couple of shows, got back together in 2010 and 2011 for a couple of shows. Uh, and that was it. Yeah, kind of put themselves back out to pasture again. And yeah, obviously, James passed away. Um, and yeah, now Tex is out with the Beasts. Uh, and Ken Gormley, their bass player, is another dude that I just... Is a Jimmy Pop dude where I just see him around all the time because he's just at the Vic every other weekend. I've never spoken to him, but if I'm at a show and he's at a show, I'm just like... I'm glad this band got his seal of approval. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Just, you know that, that gif of fucking Zach Galifianakis just staring in the woods and then just sagely nodding? Like, that's me every time I see Ken Gormley on the cross. He's just like, yeah, man. Fuck mm. yeah. No, <laughs> cut, cut to inside his head, though. Man, this band sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they tell when me to can I leave? see these bands? God damn it. <laughs> And number 51, this is Ben Fold 5 with Army. Well, I thought about the Army. Dad said, son, you're fucking high. And I thought, yeah, there's a first for everything. So I took my 
Bolt 5 coming in at number 51 in the 1999 Hunts 100. That's the song Army. It comes from the album The Unauthorized Biography of Reinhold Mesner. Uh, and for the classic era of Ben Folds 5 as we know it, this is their final studio album before they split up and Ben Folds goes solo for many, many years until they reunite. And I believe that this is the last time we'll talk about them until 2012. Uh, Ben Folds does get in several times over the years as a solo artist and as part of the Bens, Mm -hmm. alongside Ben Queller and Ben Lee, but uh, Ben Folds 5 will not make their return for many, many years until 2012 when they get in with the song Draw a Crowd from their album The Sound of the Life of the Mind. But let's return our attention now to the unauthorized biography of Reinhold Messner. One of my favourite albums of all time. My favourite Ben Folds 5 album by a considerable margin. I love this record so fucking much. And, like, for me, it's kind of like a let it be in the sense that I think they could, all three of them could kind of tell that things were kind of coming to an end and, you know, maybe this band wasn't as sustainable as they were hoping and, you know, they all wanted different things out of it and stuff like that. And so it's like, all right, well... We have this one last chance to do something, something big. Let's make it count. And so as like the final proper classic era record, I feel like it's such a huge statement. It's a reflection on life and death and everything in between. And it's about family. It's about uh, your your life uh, in your hometown and how you've changed and how you've stayed the same as you can become an adult, you know, because at this point, Ben Folds 5 have basically grown up in public, you know. They started out as, you know, rat bag, miscreant, not teenagers, but, you know, they were fucking kids when they were starting out, you know, and... By this point, they were, you know, slightly older, you know, starting to have families and stuff like that. And, you know, like, this is their grown-up record, if you will. You know, it's not as bratty and not as, you know, oh, my ex is a bitch. (laughs) But, you know, there's still a bit of liveliness on this record, but it is a more mature record. It's a more focused record. and It's a fucking honest record, you know. It's a brutal record at points. I've always just had the most deep fucking connection to this. I remember, you know... When you have, like, little snippets of memories of, like, walking past the TV when your parents are watching and, you know, something catches your eye. It must have been maybe Parkinson or maybe it was, like, uh, later with Jules Holland or maybe even, like, an Australian chat show. I can't even remember. But Ben Folds 5 were on it and they were performing the song Army and they had the horn section and everything. And I remember stopping in my track because I knew Brick, but I didn't know anything else. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, my God. What is this song? Like, that insane fucking piano going through it. You know, that... that I didn't know a bass guitar could sound like that. Like, I've always talked about Robert Sledge as a fucking shredder, but man, he fucking brings it on this. Yeah, it's just one of those tracks that has so many great moving parts and just a a story that's equal parts uh, comedy and tragedy. And it just... Yeah, it builds into something... So, so special and so, so remarkable. And I have always had such a deep connection to this track, even though, you know, it's nothing in in reflection of my own life. It's just telling a story so convincingly that you're just like, fuck, you know, this speaks to me, even though it has nothing to do with me. The fact that something is so out of, you know, your immediate 
like relatability and comfort zone or whatever can still jump out at you and be like hey this is what life is like so it's like yes yes that is what life is like you know <laughs> even as a kid i'm just like okay well you know that's that's something we'll have to we'll have to come to at, at a later point but yeah i really really love this song this is a this is a real standout of of ben fold's entire discography for me so yeah got a lot of love for this track but let's get this out of the way first had you heard this song yeah of course yeah no ah uh, no i hadn't heard the song yeah. I, don't, I hadn't heard many Ben Folds Five songs. Well, let's start with you then. Man, like you said that you didn't like actively relate to the content of this song. That whole section where he was talking about, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do whatever. God, man, that's <laughs> like how I live my fucking life. And you end up, um, you end up doing nothing. Well, tag me before you drag me, man. Yeah, Jesus, dude. Um, well, relate to that it's, in a big it's, way. It's, it's, it's the things that we do when we're higher, man. Were you, were you proclaiming all this shit while you were... On, on the wecky to Becky? Dude, I don't need no drugs. My, bra- <laughs> my, my brain New is... South Wales Police. Yeah. My, my brain is perfectly capable of producing its own anxiety. <laughs> I found that so charmingly relatable. Because again, I think this comes in a similar way to the Whitlam's track. It's coming from a place of kind of like, that's where we were, that's where we are. Breathe out. Things, mm. things are okay. We, we made it. It's, it's a little bit of a victory lap song with this one as well yeah i think it's important that it's not written from in the moment it's looking back yeah and it's like oh all these things i thought and i was gonna do this and i was gonna, gonna do, do this that. i'm here yeah that's right hmm. yeah. yeah yeah which is which is nice like i think that's a good place to be but i mean like obviously musically it fucking honks it's <laughs> so yeah. good this is actually our horniest episode i think three out of five tracks have featured absolutely mm. smashing yes, banging horns that's yeah. sick. all the good songs have had horns in them you, that's ex- so good you extrapolate that fact out yeah. to the rest of music music the good ones have horns <laughs> yeah um and and the, the horn line absolutely kicks and the and you're right like the the intricate pianos and whatever yeah. like I'll, I'll get to that at the end but yeah keep going oh no, I think I know what you're gonna say with that as well <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah no I absolutely like it's a yeah it's awesome it's an awesome track yeah I mean, this is uh, one of those like handful of Ben Folds five singles that really capture the sound of what they do really well Brick obviously is a beautiful song we all had love for that. But when they're in their, their element, they're doing that thing that they say, that punk rock for sissies. And this is like exactly that. And classic, what Ben does so well is um, have an opening that immediately sounds good from the word go. And also mm. saying like, so you must be fucking high. Mm. He's got a swear ready to go. Here for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's got a swear in the chamber. Um, from dad. From dad, yeah. Heaps of fun. Just rock, them rocking out, doing exactly what they do so well. The horn accompaniment and the ending, when it does get a bit more like fuller kind of thing like that, I wouldn't usually be for because I really like the way that the trio just sound as a trio. But I, I, I do think the the horn accompaniment is in service of the trio, so I am here for it. It still does throw me off a bit. I'm like, I, I would, I would love to hear a version of it where they just, it's just a trio. I'd love to hear that. What um, you want to hear a hornless version? Yeah, I want to no, hear the down mix version. Yeah, really? yeah, 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 the genius version. We don't need less horns in the world. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Obviously, just one of these greatest singles, known it for many, many years. Just there's not much to really say apart from the fact that this is exactly what Ben Folds does so well. It's the witty, sardonic lyrics that make you smile, and then you'll be like, "Oh yeah, but I, I get it, man." It's actually, like it makes a connected point while the piano jams along and the band work with that. It's exactly what Ben Folds does so well, or what the Ben Folds Five did so well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's totally archetypal 
Ben Folds vibe, yeah. right? And like not in a oh yeah, exactly what he does. I'm here for what he does. Like I'm stoked that he does no, what he does. I think yeah. it's incredible that they managed to have such a recognizable sound that manages to occupy so many different gears. Yes. Yeah, totally. And and, and that it. you can see the craft in. Like it's yeah. easy to keep going back to the same thing and be like, oh whatever. But like this is like, oh, this is them doing what they're great at, and there's so much detail that I can follow and, and explore or whatever. It's just a beautiful song. Yep. It's fucking Suck wonderful. it, David. You were hoping someone would hate it. Uh, why would I want that? <laughs> I don't know. Why would I want that? <laughs> Masochist. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, obviously, uh, Ben Folt has done several tours over the years, many just by himself with a piano. So when he performs this song, he can't always get in horns players to uh, perform the, as aforementioned, iconic horn section in this song. So he relegates that part to the audience. Which is really cool. It is very cool. I've been uh, part of it. Uh, I knew you would have. Like, when I read every, that, I was like, God, single, just done I, I've done both. So, one half of the room, so in this case, Andrew and Nathan, you are going to be the saxophones. And it goes like this. That's putting such a lot of faith I'm, in your audience. There's, there's no way I can, I'm doing this. <laughs> like, that's not going to turn out I well. I think most of the people going to the Ben Folds concert have listened to this song a lot <laughs> yes. and are ready to do it. Yeah, maybe. There'd be enough people that you wouldn't be able to hear the people who fuck it up. Yeah, no one's going because they're like, oh, I've never heard this Ben Folds guy. I guess I'll go to a gig and check it out from there. <laughs> It was funny. So the two times I saw him at the Opera House on the last tour, I my seats were on different sides of the room. So on one night I was in the saxophone section, and the other night I was in the trumpet section. So the trumpet section is ba da ba ba da ba 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 da ba 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 ba. And then when it comes together, it is one of the most beautiful fucking things that I've ever heard in my entire life. Like an entire acapella horn section filling up an entire room is just nuts. He does the same thing for uh, the song Not The Same from his first solo album. He separates the crowd into different, like, not not in halves, but like... Who can sing what bit? If you can just, if you only have a limited range, you can just go ah. Uh, if you have a higher range, you can go ah. Uh, and like, there's all these three or four part harmonies or whatever. And then when it comes together, it's a choral to do this big refrain in the song, not the same. And then he like builds it up and then like holds it and then makes you do it again. And you know, it, it's like that Bobby McFerrin like power of music thing. Yeah. It's just like. The way he is able to control an audience and, like, control people's voices, like, being a part of that, like, it's real, like, goosebumps kind of moment for me. Um, so, yeah. But at the same time, kind of just watch the show, man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 no, I, I, I wouldn't be into it. <laughs> How are we all with crowd participation? I, you, I live for it, always. All right, sweet. Except, so- except when it's real, and then no. <laughs> brings us to the end of yet another episode of hottest 100s and thousands and the end of the top of the first half of the 1999 hottest 100 we are in the bon jovi position bitches fucking appreciate that shit maybe the end of david's patience as well <laughs> yeah, oh. no that went a fucking long time ago you end of friendship you have, i hate what i've created <laughs> i really really do 
Uh, Alright, before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites, our least favourites, and continue that ever-continuing story of Carryover Champ and Carryover Chump. My favourite from this episode is Army by Ben Folds 5. It is also my new Carryover Champion. Uh, uh, I don't want to pick a least favourite. It's fucking shit, but I guess it has to be Perfect Family, but obviously uh, that does not become my Carryover Chump. Uh, that uh, title still goes to our dear friend, Mr. Bob Marley. Look, it wasn't all his fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, think, I think that's my, really unfair. My, my favourite uh, is Sex Laws. Uh, my champ remains, we're going out tonight. My least favourite is The Cruel Sea, but my chump remains sun is shining. Uh, favourite is Sex Laws. Least favourite is Perfect Family. New champ! Nice. And look, by, by only because it's easier to pick on Ben Harper because he's a bigger artist. Only because of that reason. Wow, is, you think it's that di- bad? I really don't like wow. it. I really don't like it. Don't care for it at all. all right. uh, favorite is Sex Laws. It's close. It. Yeah, I'll do I'm, it. I'm thinking about it. Do it. I'm just going to do it. Why yeah, not? Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, least favorite, I guess, Perfect Family, but it's not that bad and it's definitely mm. not as bad as Every Morning. 50 songs down, 50 to go. Where will we go next? Who the fuck knows? On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. See ya. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Adios. Mr. Nathan Harrison. I think I redeemed myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck it. All right. We're allowed to write our own reviews. <laughs> yeah, and well- we'd all like you <laughs> to write our own five-star reviews. Nathan redeemed himself. Five uh, stars. Well done. Not only are you out of the doghouse, you're the new host of this podcast. I quit. Uh. <laughs> Oh, my name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. See ya. Enjoy the stylish, timeless look of dark stainless steel in the new range of kitchen appliances from Electrolux. 